All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Today, Trickle Up Politics, Levon, coming at you here with Sean. Say hello, Sean. Hello, hello. So we've had quite the turbulent week. Um, I think every week is turbulent at this point. It's kind of uh, <laughs> kind of a waste of breath to say uh, with <laughs> 2020 and 2021. Um, we, we started the week really with uh, Trump being acquitted. Um, then Rush Limbaugh died. Moving on. Then we have new variants of the coronavirus. Um, I hope everybody, you know, got through the snowpocalypse this last uh, what was Saturday. Um, and then in Dallas, they're having much worse, uh, worse snow than we did, or, or in Texas, all of Texas. And then you have Ted Cruz uh, fucking off to taking a cruise, taking a cruise to Mexico. Um, and uh, and I like how there's new memes of him. I don't know if you've seen them yet. I have not. But there there are memes of him with his with his luggage going through the airport. And and <laughs> there's one. Of, you remember the one of Chris Christie back in the day when he's sitting on that beach and nope. all the beaches were closed. I don't know if you, do you don't remember that? So all the beaches, like he closed down the beaches in New Jersey this one year. I can't remember what year it was. <laughs> and, and he had like, he was sitting out on this, on this chair and he looks ridiculous because he's Chris Christie and there's all these memes made of him. Um, well, anyway, they had Ted Cruz. Uh, there's, I saw one of Ted Cruz rolling up saying, Hey, can I party too? um and then yes uh and we landed on mars we landed on mars today there's some good news to end the week brilliant awesome congratulations to that team so as i said at the top here we began the week with trump being acquitted so sean let's uh let's have your thoughts on that Well, I will say that it is the most bipartisan acquittal uh, in modern, well, in history, right? There, there was more um, Republicans that voted to uh, convict than in any other um, trial. So, you know, for, for seven Republicans, they got a spine. Uh, they, they looked at what the truth of the situation was and, and they voted their conscience. And I, uh, I have respect for them for doing that and, and think that the, the other, what, 43 uh, Republicans really need to be voted out of office uh, for their uh, support and contempt, well, their support for uh, insurrection and treason and their contempt for democracy. Mm-hmm. And I, I also want to say that I am sickened not only by this vote uh, that clearly uh, emboldens people to to violently act against the democracy that we have created and the republic uh, for which it stands. Um, but I, I also have um, just a, a true amount of disdain for what the Republican Party is doing at the state level 
uh, in conjunction with this. So uh, the, the Republican Party has clearly taken uh, a stand against democracy and are willing participants in its destruction in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, they are enacting or attempting to enact as many voter suppression acts as possible. Uh, Arizona is just sickening to me uh, at this point and their attempts to roll back voter uh, rights. And, and, and you have, so you have that happening at the state level and then at, at the national level, you have the Republican party uh, willfully supporting insurrection uh, and and the attempted coup and murder of uh, the vice president of the United States. It, and, yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> I think to encapsulate the uh, encapsulate the, the the Republican Party. Um, so you know, of course, there's that QAnon uh, wing and everything like that that we talk about. But it's the it's Mitch McConnell, right? It's the I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote to quit him, um, but. He was very bad. He was very bad. Bad. Bad man. Right. Yeah. Bad man. Yeah. I don't, I don't like what you did, but I, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to do shit about it. Yeah. yeah. You could yeah, you could have all the time to shit on all over our constitution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's sad is, you know, the words that come out of his mouth uh, don't sound half bad. Right. But, there, but there is no action to to back them up he's just he's just saying words yeah. um and and at this point they're they're absolutely worthless um his words and and personally the republican party in general is is just uh at this point i, I would say enemies of the united states mm. um and and i get that that's not every person that identifies as a republican right but the the power structure of the, the Republican Party, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, are are actively fighting against the democratic ideals that this nation has stood for. We we are um, the leading democracy in the world, right? People followed us into democracy, and we didn't do it perfectly. We we've done a lot of crap. Uh, in really poor ways but the one thing that we have had and we have stood by um for you know centuries now is democracy and the republican party is actively attacking democracy mm -hmm. uh with their attempt to take away votes and to willfully violently attempt an overthrow of a free and fair election. And so that's the thing is, uh, I, you know, you look back in, back in history and I think we brought this up before is, um, <laughs> that's, this is kind of the, kind of the uh, breaking point where he was acquitted. So that kind of just gives the free reign to anybody to say, okay, if, if I don't get my way, I could just do whatever the hell I want especially if those people are still in power to enable that. Because imagine if there's actually an actual fascist, right? An actual, uh, somebody who actually freaking knows things and unlike Donald Trump, who doesn't know shit mm -hmm. um, about government or civics or anything. But imagine if, if there was a Trump or 
I don't even want to say Trump. Imagine if there's a fascist that actually knows civics, understands how to systematically dismantle a democracy, who has looked in the past to do so. I mean, what's going to stop them? What the hell is going to stop them? <laughs> yeah, uh, the only thing to stop them right now. What's that? No, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said if the stars align, right? Because imagine if it's the these same people in power, but and they have both chambers of the house. What's going to stop this this uh, the person in, in the executive branch just taking taking on full full control of everything? Yeah, it it's a fair question, and I I think it's a scary question because I, I don't think most Americans believe it to be possible, right? Like. Yeah. It can't happen uh, here. <laughs> and still, like, you just watched a, an armed, uh, murderous sedition happen in the United States, and you still don't, don't think that this is real, right? Like, somehow, the mm. Republican Party doesn't understand the gravity of what happened. And, and that, that is what's scary to me, is that... You know, I truly believe that some people just feel like this is, uh, you know, another Sunday, Sunday, you know, football so game. Yeah, we're so desensitized by everything. Yeah, you know, I got to give credit to my barber because he was the first one that really had a an in-depth conversation with me about kind of this comparison of politics to sports in the United States right now. Um, and And it's so true, right? Like people people act like this is just another Sunday game oh, yeah. and you know, Oh, the Republicans lost and you know, they're, they're throwing their gloves down and ready to mm -hmm. fight. Well, no, that, that is not what's That's happening. Not, people right. like this is your freedoms. This is your ability to move about the country freely. This is your ability to, to be with the person you love. This is your ability uh, to get paid a shitty wage in this country. But, right. you know, the it's things- It's patty cakes, right, yeah. Yeah, but for some reason, it's just another uh, another yeah. game. And, oh, you know, there's sore loser, big deal, right? Like, yeah. get over I it. Move on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that that is not the reality. No. And, and I think, you know, to take that analogy a little bit farther, I think part of the part of our problem as a country is people want to turn politics into something that's exciting and and like a game, right? Like, oh yeah, let's get riled up and rah, rah, rah. And no, politics is meant to be fucking boring. Yeah. Politics should be boring because you have to compromise and have conversation. You need to dig into differences between opinions and find out the facts so that you can make a decision based on fact and not opinion. You have to respect what a fact actually is. We have to respect science enough uh, to give science time to give us answers. It, it's not fast. It's, it's not, you know, fun and exciting. It's not a spectator sport. Like you have to be actively involved and for the long haul. Uh, and, and that's what Americans suck at. And so we turn it into, uh, you know, some fucking spectator sport where we need to blow each other up and start a civil war just to, uh, you know, find it entertaining. Well, right. 
find your entertainment elsewhere and and let <laughs> the boring guy, smart damn it <laughs> yeah and let the, you know go go check out a rugby game right yeah. like that's something new and exciting Wolf. yeah absolutely stop blowing up our yeah. fucking country because you right. want it to be exciting it's not exciting it's boring and, as shit you know and here's the here's really like it, it gets me even more sobering because um you know <laughs> I talked to you know other people you know, from in other countries and everything, and they they see Trump as a um, as an embodiment of America. Yep. <laughs> I can't help but not disagreeing, and 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 you know agreeing with that with that take. And so, what's even worse though, when it comes <laughs> down to this, like what you're <laughs> what you're getting at here, is I I don't I highly doubt Trump looked to the past and said yes, I'm going to kind of do this like Hitler, or I'm going to kind of do this like Mussolini, right? I'm going to overthrow the government systematically like this. I'm going to do it like that. And, and so in a weird way, like that's way worse. That's arguably way worse. <laughs> that It's just like, oh, <laughs> I can just go do this. <laughs> I'm America. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pure American ignorance, right? right. Big fat white guy that <laughs> thinks that he can solve anything, right? Like I have the answers, and no, shut shut up and just sit down, and, yeah. and let the smart people talk for a minute, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I I just I'm so tired. I, I'm so tired of america like villainizing uh intelligence right like people talk all the time about elites and believe me i get tired of elitism myself but um especially when it comes to like academia uh, somehow we we've turned uh, individuals that have the ability to really like understand Mm -hmm. history or science or those kind of things and who take the time to read books and we act as if like, why would we ever listen to those people? Why do we listen to the people on YouTube? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, you know, and this, I mean, this goes right back to what I'm talking about, right? People want politics to be entertaining Mm -hmm. and it's, it shouldn't be politics really should be left to people that are boring and dry and have the ability to decipher information, have educated and meaningful conversation to find solutions um, to our problems. Yeah. And who has the, like, like the ability to, right? Because you could take AOC, right? She was a bartender at one point. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is that the uh, you know the the Republicans will throw that out there, be like, well, she's a bartender at one point, or or de- establishment Democrats, they'll, they'll throw that like, she's a bartender. Ugh, why you know why would we listen to her? But she has the ability to, and she's also educated. Um, uh, she has the ability to to um, actually um, <laughs> do politics. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I don't care what your background is. I I just I want people that can have a logical conversation who can agree on facts and who can compromise, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is the art of politics. And as much as I want to move a progressive agenda forward, 
we we have to compromise and we we have to understand that right now in this country 50% of people are not progressive right they're not i i don't think they're fascists like i don't think 50% of the no, country is no. actually fascist but i i think that 50% of the country is definitely does not hold the same progressive values as me but so they're also that they're at, 50% uh, is also reasonable, though, at the same time, I'd say. Well, maybe not 50%, but I think you're speaking to like 50% who are maybe uh, right-leaning, right? Yeah, and it's really 45%, right? Yeah, I mean, like, because you have 5% QAnon, right? <laughs> yeah, So, <laughs> and I agree with you. I think that I think that 60 to 70% of the population are, are actually reasonable people who can have reasonable conversations. I think the 30% of radicalized people in this country uh, take up a lot of airtime because people are entertained by them uh, and, and they get the airtime because our corporate news cycle knows what sells and what sells is not having uh, an in-depth conversation about climate change and its impact on the economy. Uh, nobody wants to hear that. What people want to hear is two people yelling at each other mm -hmm. about how they're the problem and you don't know anything and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So our topic today <laughs> um, is, is Marxism. Um, and I think we've touched on actually a few points in a sense of how we could look at um, uh, the current state of events in the lens of Marxism in a way, right? So how do we make that trend, you know, how do we make that, uh, um, how do we look through that lens with where we are now with Marxism? Yeah, you know, I think, I think first we have to have a conversation uh, about kind of the vilification of Marxism, the association with communism, uh, and what Marxism really is. So yes, Marx was a communist. And uh, yes, Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto. Uh, but um, Marx, from a, from a sociological perspective, Marx provided a theory known as conflict theory uh, within sociology uh, that really focused on uh, kind of the <clears throat> the struggle between classes within uh, our society. And, and really the, the conflict theorist is all about looking at the constant struggle for resources within a society. Uh, and, and that struggle for resources uh, creates the conflict in our society that that has led to um, every war it's it, it's what politics is driven off of um, it, it is the classism and and for Marx and Engels you know a lot of people don't realize that he oh yeah he worked with a, a gentleman Yep. Uh, named Angles as well, and he he wrote a lot a lot of books as well. Yeah, yeah, and they, you know them. they both they both really looked at this 
at the world in the same way, right? That we're in this constant struggle over resources. And the Communist Manifesto was really uh, this call to action of working people. And, and the reason that, that Marx and Engels really wanted to call these folks to action was they recognized that there are those who hold capital and kind of the means of production. And, but the people that actually produce are the workers, right? Or the laborers. And so there's two sides to the equation. There's the labor versus uh, the capital or the actual means to production. And Marx and Engels really understood that there's actually a ton of power in the labor, right? There's a ton of value in the labor that the, ca that the capitalist or the, the capital holder uh, the bourgeoisie within uh, kind of the, the communist manifesto, the, the bourgeoisie really hoard that capital over the laborer. And so they take advantage of the laborer. And it, it's this struggle that, that we're still in, right? Like this is a capitalist struggle that we will, uh, I believe at least as a Marxist uh, or a conflict theorist, uh, will be never ending within a capitalist society. There, there will always be this struggle over resources. Um, but, but Marx and Engels really believe that, that the masses that make up the laborers actually could overthrow those who hold uh, capital or the means to production. And in overthrowing them, communism was kind of this uh, utopian idea, right? Or a communist state was almost a utopian idea that they threw out there um, as, as an, an option, if you will, uh, of what the world would look like after uh, that process. And so when when I talk about Marxism, a lot of times I'm not talking about communism at all. Um, I, I'm really talking about the conflict between those classes. And I, I think we see that play out every single day. And in politics, I think we, we see that play out a lot as well, because our the, the two-party structure is a pretty good example of fighting for those means of productions or, mm -hmm. or the resources within our society. Right. Yeah. Lots to unpack there for sure. And so in looking at it in the, in the sense of where we are now um, in society, um, we are at a point right now where really we have, I think we've covered, you know, covered it in this way before. And we have four different, essentially four different parties. Um, we have one party, which is uh, again, uh, conspiratorial Looney Tunes, bonkers, whatever. Uh, then you have the establishment Republicans and you have establishment Democrats who largely in, in, in my point of view, uh, mirror each other in some ways, mm -hmm. except for social issues. Um, and then you have the progress, <laughs> then you have the progressive wing. Uh, so, and, and, and you were kind of saying this bef beforehand, you were kind of saying this in pregame that even even the progressive wing of this country uh almost doesn't even have a socialist doctrine in a sense no as as close as we get to socialism is democratic socialism which is kind of socialist light right um because in a democratic socialist system uh you're really limiting what structures um are socialized um mm -hmm. and 
in in most democratic socialist societies, those things are like education, healthcare, uh, transportation, uh, and a, and a few other industries that may uh, be more prominent within certain areas, mm-hmm. um, and, and can provide more economic opportunity by by kind of sharing the means of production, uh, and and the capital that comes out of that, you share that amongst your population instead of uh, allowing a corporation to hold it. But the, that tends to be really limited within democratic social societies. And you know, you're talking about kind of establishing establishment republican and democrats uh, yeah i think those are really i, I think that establishment re- republicans or kind of uh, moderate republicans are are true capitalists right they are who created this country in a lot of ways uh, in terms of this country was built by and for the bourgeoisie uh, mm-hmm. those who owned the means of production are who created the country and and the republican party has for a very long time been the party that protects uh business and those who have means of production and i would say that the the democratic party for a long time uh has been much the same i i think there is some social uh, issues that that they differ on and they're more willing to regulate the capitalist system, not eliminate and, right. and, not, and, and not significantly hamper the free market, but they are more willing to regulate. And also oh, yeah, we'll, we'll support Teamsters because they gave us money in our campaign. Well, yeah, they, they lean towards labor, but that, that's where regulation comes in, right? Is, is they do provide some worker protection mm-hmm. Um, but they do not remove uh, or or limit the free market and those who who hold the means of uh, production. The, they still protect that class of people. You know, it's just going to take them a year and a half to make their billion dollars instead of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's really the limiting factor, right? They just drag it out a little bit longer. Maybe they'll protect our environment a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, but you know you're still yeah. going to have pollution you're going to still have yeah. corporations Fracking. taking advantage of workers yeah. all of those things are going to mm-hmm. happen uh it's just going to be just on a lighter, longer time just, yeah the lighter effect but it yes. still happens yes <laughs> um it, yeah it's kind of like uh instead of uh getting a stab to the stab to the heart you get a stab to the stomach and you're yeah you're you're going to be bleeding out um <laughs> <laughs> but it's slower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have kind of two burning questions, not burning questions, burning questions when it comes to this topic. One just came to mind just now. So we're talking about capitalism and, and, the, and, you know, the, the shared labor and everything like that. And, and, and the means to resources, all that. Um, wouldn't you say, so you take the extreme of, now the Republican Party, which is, uh, you know, the conspiratorial, like I said, Looney Tunes. Couldn't you, couldn't you say that they are also, honestly, in a way, anti, anti-capitalist as well? And the reason why I, I preface, preface in that sense is because they all, all, always go after Twitter, they always go after Facebook and all these, and all these you know, private companies because they censor them. And I know that's kind of the fascist nature in, in a sense as well. 
but it's also there you could make an argument where there's a undertone of anti anti-capitalism in a way and then on the other end of course we have the, the progressive wing which is like you know typical progressive policies and everything like that so the thing is like every you know there's that theory of like oh if you you know go so far to the right you come around to the other side i personally don't really believe that especially with with our politics this day and age uh because if, if you go f- far enough right you're pretty much you know there's there's just no <laughs> there's nothing to tie the two together <laughs> well and, i think there is a place but not no it's not ideologically but i i do think that on either end of the political extreme, right? If I go all the way right or I go all the way left, uh, I'm I'm going to end up in some kind of dictatorship, right? Right. Um, what that looks like might be slightly different, but you are going to have an authoritarian regime on either side of the uh, the extreme. Right. Right, which is so, but also in the middle there, you have anarchism. Yeah, I think you, you you hit anarchism at some point there. Which well, is that I really the middle, or are we now playing three D chess? Right, like I, I, I mean, know we're doing some mental gymnastics today, but <laughs> okay. But th- 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 this the topic lends to that. Um, Marxism is a theory about how society works. So, um, I, I think if you want to talk about communism. Mm-hmm um we can talk about kind of the marxist perspective of communism but i mean it's not like marx created communism that was a concept uh before marx and angles they didn't invent communism uh right so and I guess, um, yeah it's more of a social theory i get that and everything yeah Mar- marxism is a social theory I, so and no i don't i don't think that communism is anarchism i i, I I would not place it in that in that field. I think that communism really isn't even a a political. It's not fully political, right? Because what what it really is is a form of an economic structure, mm-hmm. and I, I think we a lot of times. Um, conflate the two, right? That that politics or government is the same as our economic system, and it is not. Uh, right. Different economic systems can exist within different political structures. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, capitalism can exist within a, a socialist structure. Mm-hmm. It's limited, it's constrained, but capitalism can still be within a socialist uh government structure um so you know capitalism can exist within a a a dictatorship or an authoritarian regime right look at china um that there is capitalist elements of china uh, right not everything is state-owned it's not a fully communist structure neither was the soviet union Exactly. So I, I think that, you know, anyway, the, yeah, well, my, the my point is here is that, gonna, yeah, well, go ahead. No, please get to what you what were I was trying to. to get to is, is exactly that those differences between economic structure and social theory and political theory is that because, because I'm trying to, what I was trying to ask is those questions that you normally get right in, in from people is that they conflate the, the 
really the three three uh, um, issues there of economic theory, political theory, and and social theory. When, like you're saying, there could be different structures within each. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I think you know you're talking about kind of these these common questions, and I, I think there's a there's a lot of a fear based around ideas of communism, socialism. Um, uh, you know, we we compare those two, or those two things are almost considered the same uh, by a lot of Americans, at least, uh, when they're not, right? I mean, socialism and communism have some pretty distinct differences. And, but anytime we talk about, uh, you know, socialist structure, or communist structure, um, the Republican Party has done a really good job of, of pointing towards uh, authoritarian regimes uh, that have utilized those structures, right? Um, and, and really, it, it's hard to, it's hard to say that those structures don't uh, support authoritarian regimes really well. They do. Uh, I'm not trying to take away from that. And I, you know, so I, I think that we have to be aware that if any, if any one person or one party has too much power, uh, they will suck up the resources and take more and more control over uh, the means of production, right? That's conflict theory in and of itself. So when you look at uh, places where uh, they're considered like a communist regime, uh, of course, the state has sucked up more and more of that because that that small group of people is controlling the means of production. They want the power. And, and that's true conflict theory and practice. But we don't look at societies that have utilized these structures um, in really positive ways. Um, and if we do, we you know, somehow make them evil. Uh, you know, somehow Americans get angry at Canadians when the rest of the world know they're the most polite people <laughs> ever in existence. Except when they come down to the Mariners game for a Blue Jays game. Or just a Blue Jays game. It's, cra- it's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> Anyone that wants yeah, to know. experience something needs to go to a Blue Jays game in Seattle because that is something. <laughs> Yeah. When your pitcher's getting heckled at home for throwing to first, you know there's a problem, right? Uh, anyway, you know, Canada is a good example of a, a, a democratic socialist society, right? Like mm-hmm. um, now they're, they're more heavy on the, the democratic side than the socialist side, but uh, they definitely are a democratic socialist society. And, and they've Most issues... They've also had their issues with with big big uh, big um, business and corporations and whatnot and mm-hmm. any any and any and that's the thing is like what we're saying is no society is really perfect but getting to the point of like with something like Canada or Sweden that sort of thing so keep going sorry no I I think those are good points that yeah. nothing is perfect but uh, we we have to start to learn. Uh, from other places and and recognize uh, that uh, socialism does not always default to 
totalitarianism uh, and uh, and the truth is we've never we've never seen a communist society that hasn't uh, devolved into it and I you know the the truth is I I don't know I, I personally see communism as utopian uh, I I don't think I don't think that human beings are are able to yeah. do what communism asks of us and america is a perfect example of that. oh yeah right there mm-hmm. we just uh, we are not built that way yeah. um and and part of this is is nature playing its course in my opinion right at, at the end of the day and, and conflict theory actually would support this or Marxism would actually support this opinion, which is go back to when we were hunter and gatherers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we still had societal caste systems within those structures. Now, was it as pronounced as today? No, but there was still a struggle over resources, right? Tribes still fought one another for territory, for the ability to have hunting lands and gathering places. That has been a part of human history forever. It's a part of every, every living species has some type of conflict innate in it. And it's that struggle to ensure that you have the resources of survival. For humans, it's just that we want an overabundance of that, right? Because uh, we have the ability to do that. And so the more we can hoard, uh, the, the safer and more protected we feel. So, so there is a, a natural leaning into this. And I, I think that what we have to do as human beings is accept that some people are going to be richer than others. Mm-hmm. But how, how do we how do we ensure that the basics are taken care of for everyone? Right. And let's it's just a, accept that for everyone. Everyone deserves the basics. Everybody deserves yes. a, a roof over their head. Everybody deserves healthcare. Every, and we are all healthier yep. because of it, right? Like we all will do better because of that. And that's, that's worth a million bucks. That's worth a million bucks to have your basic needs met. Yeah. Just that's worth a million bucks, right? To have the resources that that we can have to survive, and that we don't have people living on. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have people living out on the streets. We don't have people struggling to make ends meet. That we have to sacrifice our food to pay rent, rent to buy food. Yeah, and stop, and and it will allow us to stop seeing the other as the person that's creating our inability to meet our needs right? If all of our basic needs are met, it becomes a whole lot harder uh, to other an immigrant, right? Or to be worried that an immigrant's going to come and take my job uh, and leave me hungry or leave me homeless. Um, and and I, th- I think that those are fundamental things that, that we can do. We, we are a rich enough world, not just a rich enough country, but we are a rich enough world Mm-hmm. to provide basic needs for everyone. And, and does that mean that people won't be as rich? Yeah, it does, right? But fuck Jeff Bezos and f- 
you know, fuck Bill Gates and fuck Elon Musk. Yeah, my point is that, you know, okay, so you're, you have $100 billion or you have $50 billion. Does it really matter? Um, I'm more than willing to take $50 billion away from all of them uh, if that means that the rest of us can have health care, if that means the rest of us uh, can, or not even the rest of us, but those of us who don't have food security, have food security, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that we can do by saying, listen, you're rich enough already, <laughs> right? Like we, we have to put a cap somewhere with the recognition, and, and this is very Marxist perspective, with the recognition that the labor that got you to that point is worth more than what you're giving it if you have that much wealth. Right. If you as one individual or even a small cohort of individuals have that much wealth compared to the people who are actually producing for you, there is an equity there that that naturally needs to be not, it, it doesn't have to be truly equitable, but there's enough inequitability there right. that we have to bring it closer together. Mm-hmm. Do, do you deserve to be rich if you're smart and you make it yourself, yeah. right? Or even if your right. daddy was rich and he passed it but, on to you, I don't really care. Don't kick the fucking ladder, right? Don't kick exactly. the fucking ladder. Exactly, yeah. 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 And, and help people up the right. ladder. Yes. And that's, well, the, and that's the theory of Adam Smith coming, coming into play here. <laughs> right. So, so, and I want to, I want to kind of take it, take a little dive on, on wealth and just d- defining wealth. Right. So for Americans, we're going to say wealth is uh, what uh, money, this, that, that wealth is what you have. Right. And what, and it's not just money, it's time. Mm -hmm. it's time with your family it's time to go you know take that you know go to you know england and watch a premier league soccer match and see liverpool win right that's that's my wealth um it's it's that you know it's that time that you are able to have and i think that's that's the human level of it right it's not just this object of money it's the ability ability to enjoy life to 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 your fullest to how you want to define what success is to what you would want to define what what your life is yeah and i think as americans we do a, we do a really poor job of respecting that level of wealth right mm-hmm. um our time and our 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 free time, especially, right? The, the things that we do outside of uh, producing whatever good it is or service it is that we provide um, to make a living. And, and we could uh, arguably have much more time uh, if we ensured more people had access uh, to the marketplace, mm-hmm. right? To, to mm-hmm. actually sell their time to the marketplace uh, and spread out the, the job market in a better way. Mm-hmm. A- and we could do that by going to a 30 hour work week um, and giving people back. Um, UBI. Yeah, I, I know that you are, are a fan of that. I, well, I, I, would, I would rather see that. I would rather see that happen in us um, opening up 
yeah. the job market, right? And and I'll, because I well, that can be a form of UBI. I, I don't know. So we'll we'll get we'll have a whole episode. You probably that, need to define UBI I, for no, just just, I, so, just just start by saying what UBI stands for because not everybody's going to know. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm back. Um, so UBI, Universal Basic Income, right? Is a is really pushed forward actually by um, uh, by Andrew Yang right now in the American uh, political uh, uh, world right now, um, which is that you are given enough to live. You're the the like say the the government gives you a check good enough for you to live. You have all your groceries paid for. You have all your you know your rent your um maybe even gas to get where you know in the future maybe it's not gas but it's something that that just just the basics to, to live to to function and you just actually brought up um 30 hour work week that is actually in a sense a form of ubi right now um you would have to raise the minimum wage probably i don't know maybe 30 bucks an hour in order for, for us to all be live, you know, to make ends meet on a 30 hour work week. So I think I, I agree with you. We should, we should go towards a 30 hour work week. We should go to, you know, um, towards that. And I, you know, I would, I, I would think that that's a good stepping stone for something like universal basic income to make a, so, so, Sean, and I see you're you're getting you know you're winding up. You're gonna you know hit the batter here. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing is though, why I I think it's important right now is because in the future, uh, even just twenty years from now, most of our our um, our world is going to be automated. Uh, a lot of it is automated. It, it, a lot of it is moving in that direction as it is already. So how in the hell are we going to fucking live? Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard this argument and I, I think this is probably uh, a discussion for another day in large part. But what, what I will say is, one, I think uh, every generation goes through uh, a conversation about what is the future going to look like and, and how, how is the labor market going to change? Uh, and are we going to be able to to take care of ourselves and in, in whatever that labor market is? And so far to this point, uh, something else has always been there. Uh, so I, I think that's important to recognize as we move forward. Yes, the world is changing, but other things are are going to to come about as well. So you know, I I I also think that. Um, we we have to we have to respect the research around the need for human beings to have meaningful labor, uh, and I don't think that most people uh, understand that there's really good evidence out there that we we need to work. Um, sitting no. idly by is not healthy for the human race, mm -hmm. and so. And I get, I get to agree with that. I'm the first one to agree with absolutely. Like that, that is actually a, a, a human need that we need to 
give to society. We yeah. need we need that purpose. Absolutely. I and, and go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No. So I, I just think that I, I think that as we talk about issues like UBI, I, I think it's a good conversation to have that we all we all should be afforded the opportunity, uh, a living wage or a living income, not not just not just if we're providing labor, uh, we should not only have the ability to afford the necessities in our life, but by selling ourselves to the production of something within a capitalist society, we should also be buying leisure uh, out of that. Uh, is and, and wealth, right? I'm I'm still speaking towards yeah. Uh, the wealth that you were talking earlier, all of this is is part of kind of the Marxist belief structure of why why the labor should take control, right? Why the labor should be the one mm-hmm. uh, that has the means of production. And my argument to that is, and and the reason I I'm not I I I think that Marxism is very accurate. I think that communism is unattainable, but I, I think the fundamentals of a democracy give us the ability to have a uprising, a Marxist uprising within a capitalist system, right? We have the ability to legislate and to regulate the capitalist system in a way that ensures that workers and laborers have meaningful wages coming to them, that our labor is valued fairly, but also those who do have uh, the means of production, right? Uh, also have a, a fair living that comes to them. Um, and, and we have to, you know, we can have some argument over how they, how, how did you come to those means of production and how did you get the resources you have? Uh, but, but those are conversations that can be dealt with through regulation uh, and legislation. And so I, I think that we have the means to control uh, the capitalist system, we just have to accept as laborers that those in power right now are protecting corporations. Corporations and, and those who are behind those corporations are the problem. We have the ability to push them out. Yeah. Uh, but we have to, we as a whole, have to look at each other and understand that we must support each other. And that is the communist revolution mm-hmm. uh, within a capitalist system, right? Like mm-hmm. we, can, we can have the laborer revolution within the society and we do not have to accept the problems that come with communism Yeah, um, because there are some innate problems that come with it. And, and personally, I fucking like capitalism mm-hmm. and, I think most of us actually do. Even people who are radical out there wanting to overthrow a capitalist system, chanting about socialism and shit. I I still- You bought that sign on Amazon, don't lie. Yeah, (laughs) I know some of you. I see some of you on a regular basis and I see your Amazon boxes. Uh, I I know where you buying your shit. uh, Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. So that's, yeah, that's, you know, to put it in, into a quote, exactly what you just said. I think you know where I'm heading with this. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. 
Yes. <laughs> Put it simply, by the man himself. Yeah, and our system allows for that in, in a very real and just way. Mm-hmm. I, I think th- that's the message that I want to get ac- across in this conversation is it, we're struggling with a Republican Party that's trying to uh, deny democracy for the very reasons uh, that they they want to control and have the power mm-hmm. we as the workers of this country have to recognize that they are there to support the rich that's what they're there for yeah so if yep. we don't rise up and and proud boys i'm talking to you like pull your head out of your ass like if you're a proud boy and you you're there for a racist reason. Okay, well, I, I'm not going to support yeah, you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those who actually believe the Republican Party is there for the working class, it, you are sorely mistaken. Mm-hmm. And if you believe the Democratic Party is there right. for you, <laughs> you're also sorely say. mistaken. However, yeah. I, I do believe that in our current two-party system, the Democratic Party has to be the party that we take over as laborers. Uh, because it has the closest platform for us to utilize, right? And people like AOC, people like Bernie Sanders recognize that and they use that platform Mm -hmm. for that very reason. They are not true Democrats. I appreciate that. They are progressives, but Mm -hmm. the the Democratic Party is the party open to a progressive movement for workers. And that's the thing is that that's already tied to it. And like I was saying earlier, was if the Democratic Party had its way, they'd be get away from get away from here progressives we don't you know we're gonna we're gonna go um as in the terms of sean suck the teeth of the uh, corporations yeah they are <laughs> they're all on the teeth <laughs> well and they and they are currently too yeah it doesn't matter if the progressives are there or not right but they even then like if they if they if the democratic party establishment was like yeah if the progressives would be gone tomorrow we would freaking love that anyway um but yeah, you actually make a good point with with like Proud Boys, the right, and everything is like, God, imagine that. Imagine if they actually broke free from their own chains and said, the the you know, Trump, the Republican Party, they do not have the, um, they are not looking out after us, and we have to fight them. And imagine if we banded together with the left. Yeah, and you know, part and, of you know, and, and sorry that to be clear not not around racist reasons of course right but you know within conflict theory within marxism itself is this idea of ideological control and Mm -hmm. that uh, the bourgeoisie has ideological control they set kind of the the societal perspective and i think i think that uh, the republican party really holds holds that power in this country in terms of they set that ideological vision uh, when it comes to things like socialism, social movements, uh, progressive platforms, right? They taint those as something um, evil. And they they also create this false class consciousness, right? This, This false equivalent or this false identity within uh 
especially poor white uh, working folks. We they saw cre- it in the Civil War. Yeah, they create this class consciousness that not of social class, mm-hmm. right? Or economic class, if you will, but it's this racial class of look at us, you can be us. You just have to fight all the people around you even though the us, the bourgeoisie, don't give a shit about you. Right. You're poor and they want you to be poor because you being poor allows them to stay yep. rich. They do not want to help you out of that. And that is that false class consciousness that Marx and right. Engels talk about um, and and the ideological control that they exert over that population. And, and, and an example of that is, is in the South during in the Civil War era is when uh, Irish settlers in in the in the South. Um, so for a long time there in the 1800s, it was they punched down to the Irish. You're like, okay, yeah, fucking Irish, um, this and that. But like, well, what if we could get the Irish to hate black people and 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 punch down to them? Oh, well, that will help us out as as the bourgeoisie um, of the of the South, the slave owners, the uh, the plantation owners. That'll help us out because now now they're vassals of us and we get to control them. And, and they um, will do our bidding for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, you could, you could bring up so many different examples of that. Yeah. And, and Republicans are, well, it's not just Republicans. I, I would say that um, those in power, the, esta- mm-hmm. the establishment power, right? Um, they really have the ability to create inner class warfare. And um, so, and, and that's where, that's where these kind of identity politics mm-hmm. issues are so powerful, right? If I can, if I can make you dislike me yep. because uh, I'm gay or you're black or the other person's an immigrant right? and, and we don't see each other as part of the same struggle, um, they've won and mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they want to do mm-hmm. trump doesn't give a shit if you're an immigrant or right. if you're gay he does not care and he's proven that throughout his lifetime because he's vacillated so much in terms of where he falls on an issue that it shows that he doesn't give a shit he's just going to say whatever he needs to stay to stay in power and yeah. and that is a true example of the bourgeoisie controlling the ideological belief systems creating the conversation that allows them to maintain power it's why religion has always been a powerful piece of this puzzle it's why marx called it the opiate of the masses uh, because you know if you give people these false idols to latch on to uh, and fight each other with and uh, then we don't have to deal with you yeah, the conspiracy theories are now the new new form of that. The, exactly, the new form of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely. And, and so there's always this divide and conquer, divide and conquer. No, no wonder why they call the freaking game that divide and conquer, right? You divide people, you divide people up, and you, and you say um, they think that, that you know they think this way because they look like this identity you know identity 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 you're absolutely right that and we still see that even well into today um even more so ever right now in our lifetimes that's for sure yeah and what saddens me is you know even leaders like uh martin luther king 
had a, a really strong understanding of this interclass warfare. Uh, and, and he was huge on, uh, on the wage gap, right. Or on the, the poverty gap. Um, he, he recognized that working class people had to stand together, that we had to have common cause with one another uh, if we were really going to change things in this country, because as long as we're fighting amongst each other uh, in terms of the the proletariat, mm-hmm. then then the bourgeoisie have nothing to fear if they can separate us. Mm-hmm. It is when it is when the proletariat or the working class people of the world unite uh, that change is created, and we've seen that time and time and time again. Um, but as long as the bourgeoisie have the ability to set the ideological standards, um, we're going to continue to fail at creating real change. Yep. Yep. Well, all we could say up the proletariat. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap up, wrap down. Um, great, great, great discussion show today. Um, all right. Well, what are you looking for for the next week? Um, let's see. Over the next week, huh? I, I, I've been having a conversation with uh, my, my younger nephew and a good friend of mine uh, around the idea of kind of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard, but the Black Student Union at the UAW uh, is petitioning to take down a, a statue of George Washington, mm. and um, you know I'm really I, I'm really struggling with uh, some of these concepts of you know where where do I actually stand on this yeah. right because George oh. Washington uh, was a complete asshole uh, yeah. that that had slaves and. Um, you know everything else so yep. um i i'm i'm really struggling with that and yep. and really looking forward to continuing uh some of those those conversations uh over the next week uh i you know i i think there's a, a true difference between um celebrating a, a traitor to the united states you know somebody like lee uh, versus George Washington, I, I think there's a real difference there. They're both assholes, but at least one didn't, you know, right. secede from from the the nation. And this one was like a founding father of our country, right? <laughs> one and, was trying to tear it apart. But you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. How, how do we? How do we? How do we celebrate that? Right and recognize yeah. the innate pain created by one stealing native lands and destroying whole populations of people in the process and two then enslaving uh, and building the richest nation in the world on the backs of yet another group of individuals um, yeah. right so I, I anyway that that's yeah. a conversation that I've oh, been having. Oh, we are going and, to have to have that one. Yeah, and it, it's a really good conversation. So I'm looking forward to that. And I was recommended a book um, by by one of my great friends. And so I, I plan on starting that. It's it's called Never Caught. Uh, and it's a, it's a book that focuses on um, 
Ona Judge, and she was a, a slave of George Washington's who um, ran away mm. and, and, and who the Washingtons then pursued relentlessly um, to, to get her back into um, their service. So um, this was a book recommended to me by uh, my good friend as we were having this conversation of like, you know, are we, are we really going to cancel the four, yeah. one of the, one of the primary forefathers yeah. of this nation? Uh, and, and her response was not to answer my question directly, but to send me a book recommendation. So uh, mm, I figured that I had to, had to, had to check that out, but yeah, for sure. Anywho, that, that's kind of my weekend. I'm going to spend some time with with both of them and continue that conversation. Oh, that, that sounds awesome. Yeah. We'll have to follow up on that one. Um, yeah. So over the next week, well, I'm going to be looking out after these kind of tracking news on the new variants and everything like that. I, I don't, I, I honestly think that the, um, the media kind of plays it up a little bit. Uh, with these new variants. I mean, it is uh, something, oh, no, right? Whoa, please. Um, it is something to watch out for. I understand that. But also at the same time, these our vaccines are actually effective against these new variants. So I, I, I am going to keep a watch out for it, though. Um, and also, I wrote a paper um, in class about the behavior health effects of the, of the coronavirus era. So um, I'll probably post that on Facebook or something like that. Um, yeah, not, a, not a whole lot. I feel like things are going to kind of get boring in, in the new, in the news a little bit in a sense, because of this whole, you know, Trump is probably just going to kind of disappear in a way from the news cycles for a little bit here. Um, but I mean, it doesn't mean that I won't stop, stop watching or listening because that's what I do. Um, or that's, and that's what we do. <laughs> is pay attention to this stuff because we love it. Um, so yeah, and and just, um, yep, that's really just about it. And maybe look at this Mars um, deal. We landed on Mars with a new rover. So and maybe look into that. Um, and maybe post some Ted Cruz memes because they're kind of funny. <laughs> that's about it though. Um, any final thoughts, Sean? No, no, I don't have any final thoughts today. It's amazing, isn't it? All right. Well, uh, for you and I, though, uh, something to look forward to is 30, uh, 30 more days till the sea wolves. <laughs> I don't Hells to, yeah. <laughs> I had to drop that in there. Uh, for those of you who don't know the sea wolves, they're major league rugby team that resides here in Seattle and when you are able to go back safely to a stadium, go to Starfire and check them out because it is a great time. Um, and rugby is a fun sport. And the Seabulls are a good winning team who have won the MLR championship back to back in the first two years of the league. Anyway, you all have a great week. Uh, may peace, love, joy be with you all. And we will see you next time on Triple Up Politics. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And just a reminder, uh, you could send us a message, trickleuppoliticsshow at gmail.com. And once again, 
like, share, subscribe, or share, scribe, or like, like, subscribe, share. I don't care what order. It doesn't matter. That'd be wonderful if you did. All above, really. But um, thank you again for your support.